Welcome to Episcopal Priest Explains. I'm Kyle Martindale, your resident Episcopal priest, and today we're talking about the Episcopal Church in Hawaii, its history, as well as ministry in the church as a native Hawaiian. On with me today will be Father Keleave He, rector at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in the Palolo Valley of Oahu. To work through it with us and take us beyond my brief explanation. It's Episcopal Priest Explains. I might not know much about much, but I'm here to talk about stuff. For when your friends ask you questions and you want to show off, the first five minutes likely aren't enough. Because I'm going to be wrong, and I'll ask someone smarter. So that first five minutes are more just like a starter. So you can stick around and hear from the experts, because there's more to know from Episcopal Priest Explains. It's... Episcopal Priest Explains. Again, thanks for joining us today on Episcopal Priest Explains as we discuss Hawaii and the Episcopal Church. We'll be joined shortly by Father Keleave He, but first I'm going to try to share some of what I think I know about this history without getting too lost in the woods that Keleave and I can't find our way out together. The first thing I want to do is acknowledge that some file issues and editing caused this first part of my time together with Keleave to be pushed a bit, but once this happened, I found myself with the opportunity to release this episode on the birthday of King David Kalakaua, the last king of the Kingdom of Hawaii, who was born in Honolulu on November 16, 1836, and reigned as king of the sovereign state. Kingdom of Hawaii from 1874 to 1891. So I want to start out by wishing a happy birthday to King David Kalakaua. All that now said, we move toward how the church came to Hawaii and what it's like. While Keleave and I will go into much more detail later, it's important to note that the Episcopal Church was invited to Hawaii by one of its monarchs, who liked both the English monarchy and the Church of England. Keleave will tell much more about this here shortly. And while there are other notes I could mention before we get started, I'm new to Hawaii, so I want to let Keleave do the talking. So you've heard my rough explanation of the topic for the day. So just stick around as I bring in my guest, Father Keleave He, Rector of Good Samaritan Church, to walk with us as we continue this journey together. Keleave, welcome to Episcopal Priest Explains, and thank you so much for joining us today. Aloha, Kyle. Thank you for having me. Uh, just so everyone can know you a little bit better, can you share a little bit about how you came to the Episcopal Church, or if you grew up in the Episcopal Church, the, some of your stories and who your faith guides have been in your life, and what's kept you around all these years? Mm, yes. So I was not born an Episcopalian. I came from a household where my mom was from a Buddhist family, but not practicing. My dad was from a Catholic family not practicing, and we lived across a Christian church and that we never stepped foot in. And I, even as a kid, felt something was missing in my life. So I'd always be asking questions, Mom, is this a religious song? And, you know, like, what does that church do or what does that temple do? 
Why did you get married at a, a Japanese temple? So into my teenage years, we mm -hmm. had an assignment from high school where go and visit two different churches mm -hmm. and do a report on their religion. I thought, wow. So that was opening my eyes. At the university, I took Religion 101, which I loved mm -hmm. to learn about world religions. Okay. It was so intriguing to me. And I even memorized the books of the Bible in order, which I can't do now. <laughs> but Well, if you, if you can still do it as an Episcopalian, that would be very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would be. Uh, so uh, then I met my wife, who was my girlfriend, and we searched together. Mm. Went to one Christian denomination church, which was nice. Our friend was an organist, but it still wasn't home for us. Mm -hmm. Then, in my hometown, we went to an Episcopal church where the priest was my grandpa's first cousin. Okay. So I thought, well, at least I know him. Mm -hmm. I can see <laughs> what the Episcopal religion is like. Uh, it was very eye-opening because of the standing and kneeling and sitting, and I wasn't used to the red book, the blue book. Mm -hmm. But I was learning, and I quickly loved it. Where my kids started coming, my sisters and their families started coming, and my parents started coming. So it was a wonderful start for all of us. So your exploration with your girlfriend at the time, now wife, kind of led into your whole family being part of a worshiping community together. Yes, yes. Which... Ties you in a little bit more too once your family is part of it. Yes, that's right. That's right. And Episcopalian people I found were so nice and reasonable, not extreme, you know, via media, the middle mm -hmm. way. So that's what I liked. Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, I can be here with other Episcopalians. All right. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. That's a wonderful story and just interesting exploration. Yes. And, and as you developed in that faith, what were a few of the moments that helped you figure out that you'd been called to be a priest? I know that you, you come to the priesthood after a career as a teacher as well. Yes. So could you share a little bit about how, how those things happened in your life? Yes, sure. So as I became uh, more involved in the church, you know, being baptized, confirmed, all 14 of us in our family... <laughs> Baptized on the same Sunday, that was wonderful. Oh, that's a great celebration. Yes, yes. And my grandpa's cousin, who was a priest, was even more joyous that his family mm -hmm. were the ones that he could baptize. But so I started to be an acolyte and going to national conferences, mm -hmm. international conferences, meeting more wonderful Episcopalians, lay and ordained. But while I was here in this church where we're sitting, I was an acolyte to the priest. And one day after the service, she said, you know, I think you'd make a great priest. And I stopped and I looked at her and I said, what? Because <laughs> that never entered my mind. Mm -hmm. And But she planted a seed. Mm -hmm. And she said, think about it. So I thought, and I thought, oh my goodness. And I was so excited. And she said, let me arrange a meeting between you and the bishop, and let's see what he says. Mm -hmm. And he was so supportive. He came here, 
met with me, talked with the other members who were also supporting me. So that started me on my road to the priesthood. So it's kind of that tiny seed planted and, and allowed you the, the room to think and pray and grow with that little seed. Yes, yes. Wonderful, thank you. I, I, I think that's one of the things, at least, the, the feedback that I get, people like to hear, hear those little bits that it's, it's not all these, you know, blinding on the road to Damascus or, or these moments where we just fall over and it, it, it's these little moments that, that are building and somebody else often sees them first. That's uh, true. And, and I think part of a Christian life of discipleship, whether lay or ordained, mm -hmm. is part of what we do is we let go of a little nugget of control. Yes. Um, and allow for others to see things that we may not. Yes, so that's you. right. Uh, moving, moving to our, our topic, a, a little bit of, of Hawaii, uh, where we're sitting together right now and uh, where you've lived uh, your life. Can you explain a little bit about the history of Hawaii and when and how the United States began to occupy it uh, and the relationship that the church has with the, the native people of Hawaii? Mm -hmm. So I was born and raised here. I'm also of native Hawaiian blood. Uh, people here are multicultural from mm -hmm. all the different ethnicities that have come together and I'm definitely a product of that. Uh, so prior to Western introduction, Hawaiians lived a very uh, simple life where there was no land ownership because in their mind, it was like, how can you own this place? Mm -hmm. So people lived in little pie sections of the island called Ahupua'a, where if you lived by the sea, you would share your fish inland. Okay. And if I was living in the mountains and growing the taro or kalo plants, I would share it with everyone down to the sea. So we lived a very communal and shared life. It was um, very peaceful. Mm -hmm. Also, could be warlike, mm -hmm. you know, fighting chiefs, different islands. Uh, but so there was world trade being in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Different mm -hmm. countries would stop by, trade their goods and wares and what happened with western introduction was um, politics mm -hmm. disputes land ownership um, greed um, disease so the hawaiian islands were so isolated that there was very few diseases mm -hmm. and so once the foreign diseases came the majority of the Hawaiian population was decimated. Mm. Yeah. Because there was no natural resistance. And also with all the ships coming in, rats were introduced, uh -huh. which killed our native birds because our birds nested on the ground. Because mm. there was nothing there to take. Nothing. Uh, mongoose were introduced to kill the rats, but they didn't because one is like diurnal and nocturnal. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I saw the stories about that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so a, a lot of change happened where other cultures were forced upon the native culture. Mm -hmm. So saying that our dress was too revealing because we were bare bodied. Mm -hmm. 
So we had to cover up, but how do we cover up in this heat, mm -hmm. right? Or that our religion and native sanctuary temples were actually destroyed, mm -hmm. you know, and people were forced to learn another religion. So that was a big change for the native Hawaiian people. So it's kind of the Western introduction and Western religion that came along with it, because uh, as you look at history worldwide, not just in Hawaii, you know, a lot of that, when moving from place to place, Western culture came with religion and yeah. it was have this religion or don't have any at all. Yes. Uh, kind of attitude. And so that was kind of what, what was brought to Hawaii at the time as well. Yes, that's right. Can you share a little bit about some of the, because I imagine they've varied greatly, uh, especially island to island and, and um, area to area, uh, but some of the native Hawaiian religious practices um, before this time mm -hmm. and, and how some of those uh, shifted in order to survive this introduction mm -hmm. from Western culture. Yes. So unlike our Christian religion where we have one God, uh, the Hawaiians had multiple gods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All, all by name, the God of war, you know, and different deities. And they had uh, stone uh, areas that where they was they would worship like mm. maybe it was a sacrificial heiau heiau is the word for their stone temple okay we still have some of those left that weren't destroyed and they're highly valued and taken care of by a certain family mm. uh, it's it's very well respected um, sometimes not by visitors mm. uh, but when we go and and take an offering, a gift, you actually say a Hawaiian prayer to enter the area, just to be respectful. So, uh, with, with the Western influence and the forced religion, uh, people had to give up what they grew up with mm -hmm. and dress in the new clothes, go into a church, um, learn the new language. Mm -hmm. one, one good thing about the early missionaries was they put the Hawaiian language into written form. So the Hawaiian language was just an oral language. Mm -hmm. And the Hawaiians were intrigued that they can read something that was said before. Then... English books were translated, English church books were translated into Hawaiian. And there was 100% literacy in the wow. 1800s, which is a, a high claim for anywhere to make. Right. Yeah. I mean, we don't have that now, but yeah. <laughs> back then it was mm -hmm. really great. Yeah. Because everybody heard the stories. And um, so. After that time, was was it the, then, then the language, like, okay, you can read your language. Now here's a new one to learn because this is what you have to speak now. Is that kind of how it happened? Or? Uh, they were, 
Luckily, they were doing it both ways. Okay. So even、um, at church, some churches had the Hawaiian language Christian service,、mm-hmm. and the next service would be in English, and you, you know people could attend either. But mainly, you know, the Hawaiians kind of stuck together, hearing their language.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that、uh, I was speaking with、uh, someone who showed us in、uh, today, and, and I know that when you're celebrating. Here、uh, at at Good Samaritan, that that you speak your portion in in Hawaiian. Yes, yes, I can actually give you a sample. So at my previous church at the cathedral, I was I led the Hawaiian language service.、Oh, okay. But at this new neighborhood church that we're sitting in, they weren't using any of the native language. So I'll give you a short sentence. So I've introduced it to them with、uh, great results. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.、Yeah. Amen. So people have welcomed it. Our bishop encourages all our churches to use the language of the land, our、mm. host language. So moving back towards that. That、uh, understanding that you said host language, and so I'm just processing. You know that that understanding that the 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 land and the people were here before the church was here, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and and kind of honoring that、uh, in worship because worshiping is about honor as well. And, and that's right. And we do have two official languages in Hawaii:、mm-hmm. English and Hawaiian.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. And.、Uh, You were sharing the this the story、uh, the, that the religious practices included the many gods, and I、uh, I wonder for for our listeners if you can share the name of that story. I know that it's like twenty two hundred lines or something like that.、Uh, mm. I, 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 we bought a copy of it at, at the museum the other day so that we could read through it together at home. But yeah, I I can't really give specifics to that.、Um, that's something that I'm. Working on learning、okay. more and more of my culture. Yeah. Thank you very much.、Mm-hmm. Uh, so, as or when did you talked about how the bishop is encouraging now use of the Hawaiian language in worship? When did the Episcopal Church、uh, come to Hawaii,、uh, and what did that look like at first?、Mm-hmm. So this was in the mid eighteen hundreds. We were still under our monarchy,、mm-hmm. so King Kamehameha the Fourth and his wife Queen Emma were good friends with the English royalty. So they would travel back and forth. They were schooled, you know, in English ways. They became good friends. So the king and queen admired the Anglican Church、mm. in England, and. Asked for it to come to Hawaii,、okay. so the Episcopal Church was actually invited by royalty to the islands, which we're very proud of saying.、Mm-hmm. Um, so we weren't part of that early missionary movement.、Mm-hmm. Some people say, "Oh, you guys were the missionaries," but we weren't the people that forced the change. So、um, we. So, 1862, the church was started in here,、mm-hmm. in the islands, and 1867, the cathedral was built. Okay, 
with plans that they admired a church in England and they ordered all the stone which had to be shipped by boat and mm-hmm. constructed here. And it was constructed in different um, bays by section until the whole church was completed over 90 years. Oh, wow. But that, that's how we started. And then currently we have around 37 Episcopal churches in Hawaii. Wonderful. Thank you. It's, it's nice to also note that invitation. Yes. Uh, that, because that's not always been the case, not, not with different churches in Hawaii or with the Episcopal Church in different places. That, but that's it's, right. uh, like you said, something to, to kind of be proud of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a native Hawaiian, what is it like to serve as a priest here in Hawaii in the Episcopal Church? And, and now that we've sat and talked a little bit before we recorded as well, in the church that you have, have been coming to as, as your parish and the parish that lifted you up as a priest as well. Mm-hmm. So going back to the time when I was baptized at a neighborhood church, the priest who was my relative, he's also native Hawaiian. Mm-hmm. And I had a question to him. I said, well, before I'm baptized, do I have to give up my culture? Do I have to give up being native? Mm because I don't want to do that. And he said, no, you don't. You can be native and you can be Christian. So I feel we honor where we're from, but we honor who we are now. Uh, Serving at the cathedral, I was mentioning to you, really highlighted our Hawaiian history. We had Ali'i Sundays. We honored specific Hawaiian royalty on that Hawaiian Ali'i Sunday invited the Royal Societies to come mm-hmm. so the community could see the presence of the Hawaiian community there. So being here in my home church where I was brought up, raised up, I'm trying to bring some of the native Hawaiian culture here because it hasn't been present in this little valley. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll see where that goes. <laughs> well, I know they're enjoying their... It, at least to us, and enjoying the introduction of of the culture mm-hmm. uh, and of of the language and all the different things that are meant by that as well. Yes. So, so we also talked about this a little bit too. But in in so many places, it's it's common for a clergy to be somewhat nomadic. Uh, and uh, as you showed me down down the wall of the the priest here at, at your parish that. The seven and a half years is the average, and, and that's roughly equivalent to the seven and a half years that is the average in the Episcopal Church as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're kind of nomad- nomadic coming from outside of communities and far away. Uh, what do you think the biz- biggest positive is in serving as a priest uh, in native communities? Uh, now, I know that your current parish isn't a native community, but it's inside the native community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and your work at the cathedral was specific as well uh, from the perspective of a member of mm-hmm. those communities and, and someone who grew up within that and, and continues to be part of that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Join us next time for the conclusion of my conversation with Keleave on Hawaii, its history with the Episcopal Church, and what his ministry is like there. Thank you all for joining us today, and I hope you'll come back for more. Don't forget to follow Episcopal Priest Explains wherever you listen to podcasts or bookmark the show website. 
You can join in the conversation on the Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, or even help build the conversation out on our Discord channel. I'm Kyle Martindale, and as always, all are welcome at Episcopal Priest Explains.